The following is a presentation on the UFSN Network. Welcome to the UFAFL Nation. Yes, it's Thursday, so you know what that means. Welcome into another episode of UFAFL Nation. I am your host, Michael Skrzniak. Even though the football season might be over, we still have a big show for you. We got Max Elliott, commissioner of the UFAFL and the Legends League, about to hop on with us soon. But first, you guys can follow me on Twitter at MichaelSKRZ. You can follow the league at the UFAFL. You can also follow the scouting department headed by our buddy Jamie Thomas at UFAFL underscore scouting. If you have any questions or any information that you're curious about the league, there's a couple links there at the bottom of the page. Uh, info at uffsports.com, www.americanfootball.uffsports.com. Uh, don't hesitate to ask us anything about this crazy league that just wrapped up. And to break it, oh, but first, before we get to Max, sorry, I don't want to jump the gun there. Don't forget to check out these fantastic items at the UFAFL store. Um if you guys watched that Canada-U.S. women's hockey game, you guys are probably up a little bit late. You can use a coffee. Why not put some coffee in a UFAFL mug with your favorite UFAFL logo? Uh, plenty of good gift ideas. Uh, so please make sure to check out that link. Check out the store. A lot of hard work going on behind the scenes uh, to get you guys the coolest UF UFAFL gear. Um, and with that, why don't we start our interview and bring in our friend Max Elliott, commissioner of the UFAFL and the Legends League. Uh, Max, welcome back to UFAFL Nation. How are you doing today? What a way to finish the 2021 season, and I'm looking forward to going into that 2022 season. Absolutely. So we gotta we gotta say uh, big congratulations to Ross and the team over at the Legion, uh, 2022 Skull Bowl champions. Um, it was a hell of a Super Bowl. Um, when we when we previewed this uh, this game, we kind of thought that. Uh, Ross and the Legion kind of had the advantage. Um, you had Matthew Stafford, you had Cooper Cups, so you had that connection, which turned out to be uh, really clutch. Um, Aaron Donald put up big numbers. Uh, T. Higgins caught a couple of touchdowns as well. Um, so, Max, I guess just uh, what, what would you like to say to uh, Ross and the team over at the Legion? Because they, uh, I wasn't 100% sure they were going to be here at the start of the playoffs, but Boy, did they draft well in the playoffs, and uh, kudos to those guys over at the Legion. <laughs> no, for real, congrats to, you know, Ross and, and the Legion there. Um, it's a, it's just funny because I know I'm the one that, you know, brought Ross onto the platform, you know, tried to sell him on the the idea and everything, and, you know, here he is, you know, the Skull Bowl, Skull Bowl champion, you know, uh, headed into that 2022 season, so... Um, he can walk around with a lot of pride, you know, in the league, I should say. Um, no, it's just a great all-around performance. And, uh, you know, he drafted really well in the playoffs, you know, made a bunch of the balls. Um, the playoff drafting this year is so exciting, exciting, um, because, you know, just depending on what your call was in the previous round, it could really affect you going into that next round. And, you know, just to see him here, it's it's been big, I know. At the beginning of the regular season, I think he started off, you know, a couple games under 500, and to watch him turn it around and you know make it all the way to the Skull Bowl uh, uh, is is simply it's it's amazing. It's a great job by him and a great performance overall by Legion. 
Yeah, it's funny you bring up his early season struggles because I was texting him during the year, just being like, hey, Ross, you're spending too much time doing <laughs> graphics for the league. You got to check out your team a little bit more. But yeah, then he went on this huge run and then he went, he, he went, all, in, he, he went all in on the Rams for the playoffs and uh, it just it turned out really well for him. So yeah, congrats to Ross and the boys over there. Now it's interesting to see that uh, some ownership stake in the Legion is up for sale and uh, it's a pretty good selling point. Hey, guys, uh, we won the title, and uh, we got a pretty good squad. So be interesting to see what happens with the team in the offseason. But, Max, I'm glad that you were able to join us um, on this episode, this kind of, I guess you want to say, a season finale, season recap episode of UFAFL Nation. Um, the first question I wanted to ask you, just basically, like, just from your point of view, and how successful do you think that the first season of the UFAFL was? Because... At the start of the year, people like you had to adjust to this type of fantasy league. Like it's different than any other league out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious from your point of view, dealing with like all these people and everything, how do you think how successful was the first season of the UFAFL? I mean, I thought the UFAFL's first season was a huge success. There was definitely some some learning opportunities and you know, we're gonna head into the season two, um, addressing all those those uh, early concerns and stuff like that, but with so many different personalities, all the different GMs and owners, um, you know, we had, you know, full active staffs from all these different franchises and everyone has their own opinion and the way they interpret things um, and whatnot. So the first year was, you know, exciting, you know, some some highs and some lows, um, but ultimately, uh, you know, I thought, you know, going into the playoffs, it, it was a huge success. I think everyone's excited for year two. Um, you know, we'll address all the little hiccups in season one, and then year two, I think, should should run real smooth and, uh, you know, be even more successful. But I think, you know, year one was as bad a big as success as it can be. Um, I think I think everyone uh, would agree to that. Now, you brought it up during your answer. So, like, when I have – I'm the commissioner of a 14-team league on Yahoo, and I struggle with that because – Guys will get on you for certain things, certain rules, especially with COVID. There's always things to consider. So my question for you is, what is the toughest part of commissioning a league with so many voices and so many people involved? Like you don't just have GMs. You have owners of this league, owners in these leagues, and there's huge money involved. So obviously you have to try to be as unbiased as possible. Um, but basically like, yeah, what are, like, what is that, what's that like on a day-to-day basis for a commissioner with probably what, about a hundred people that are basically have stakes in this league? (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. At least that, right? Um, I mean, I'm naturally like a people pleaser, so I always do my best, you know, to please everyone. I always, you know, try to put everyone else, you know, before me and my needs, um, so I think, you know, one of the biggest uh, challenges was just understanding that not everyone's going to be happy, especially in a high stakes league like this, just like in the NFL, you know, there's a reason why they they have their off season meetings and uh, their ownership meetings and everything is because there's different opinions and there's different perspectives on everything. So one of the bigger challenges was, you know, just, uh, just understanding that not everyone's going to be, you know, happy with, with, every result but ultimately you just keep pushing forward because everyone has the same goal and that's for this to be a success and for this you know uh to be mainstream you know um it's 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 really about that so then what are the next steps for this lead to grow because 
so I'm doing UFA mm-hmm. Fell Nation, and I get to talk to I get to talk to all the guys in the league. And when I tell my friends about this league, they're like, they're interested because they're like, wow, like so much money is involved, and oh wow, Chris Carter has a team, and Michael Vick's involved. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously, so the hardest part for me, but when I th- think about this league is how do I get people to care about somebody else's fantasy team? Cause you go on Twitter and stuff and like you, I'll see people chirp an athlete or a football player and be like, Hey, you didn't do well for my fantasy team. And people just come back and they like, that's the thing. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's just a thing on Twitter. It's a thing on social media. So how, how are we at UFAFL trying to get past that notion and how are we going to get more eyes on this product? Like, what's the team over? What's the management team? Uh, you, Andy, and the boys. Like, how are you guys planning to make this league even bigger in year two? Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really, you know, everyone coming together uh, to promote the league. Um, you know, and it's a different concept. So it's it's hard for people to jump on immediately. But I think as far as owners and GMs, I think it's everyone's duty to get on social media, you know, Twitter, uh, TikTok, uh, Twitch, Snapchat, wherever it may be, and to promote the league and try to draw people into, you know, our UFAFL chat. Um, Just to get everyone, you know, kind of in our general chat to start asking those questions, because I know the first thing, you know, when I was told about the league, I had about a list of about 40, 50 questions that I had to have, uh, you know, Alex and uh, Mike Mark, you know, you know, address for me. So I think just getting everyone to the chat, um, getting them excited, you know, about high stakes fantasy fantasy football, um, you know, show where our athletes are involved here. You know, I know Chris Carter tweets us out. Um, I know we've had some nice promo videos. So just get everyone involved. And I think it's time, you know, for owners and gyms to, you know, make their own content, uh, uh, content, you know, their own podcast, you know, start reaching out to their own connects, you know, it would be beneficial to owners and gyms as well to, you know, reach out to athletes and players because, you know, they want them as NFTs on their team, you know, in the end, it's all of us just coming together, you know, to promote the platform and just, you know, um, give everyone the information needed. Um, and I think, you know, the first step is just starting to grow our, our fan base and our actual UFAFL chat, um, you know, to, so, to address, you know, the questions they may have. Because, like I said, there's a lot of questions um, when you're involved in something this big. And I really do think this is going to be huge going into year two. And I think this offseason, um, I think everyone's going to put in a lot of work uh, to, to draw the interest. Yeah, and I'm hoping with UFAFL Nation next year, I'd like to get some of these big guys on just because it would go a long mm-hmm. way personally and for the league to get a guy like Chris Carter on that we can tweet out or a guy like Michael Vick to be like, hey, like these guys are involved in this league. Um, mm-hmm. Big stakes. You guys should like, – should like it's interesting. So you guys should probably take a look at it. Right. So I know that's what I'm going to try to do for next year as well, try to get uh, bigger guests with bigger outreaches on. Uh, before I let you go, Max, I know you're also the commissioner of the Legends League, and I know um, the chats have been going off. I'm seeing all the stats. I know Andy McNamara is posting about it all the time. Um, how is how is it going so far with the Legends League? Are you happy with everything that's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a huge success so far. You know, it's it's cool to actually see the gameplay, you know. Um, that's one thing that the Legends does have an advantage on, whereas in the UFAFL, you don't get to see that live gameplay. You know, we're going based off fantasy stats. In the Legends League, you get to see your all-time favorites and your all-time Legends, you know, play against each other. 
um, with Access Football there. And, you know, the GMs have been doing a terrific job in uh, managing those games and giving us some exciting games. There's some, been some real high-scoring games. I'm an offensive guy, uh, so I love it, love to see it. Um, and it's, 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 it's been great. I think everyone's just coming together and I've seen a lot of, a lot of, uh, content put out about the AFL from, you know, franchises and everyone's doing their part and, you know, just continue forward, you know, year one, um, we'll, we'll get all the hiccups out of the way. And then, like I said, you know, it's going to end in a success as well. And it's been huge success already. All right, Max. Well, that's, that's all I need, man. That was awesome. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, great job this year. I know all the people in the UFAFL chat appreciate all the hard work that you guys have been doing behind the scenes. Obviously, Andy McNamara as well, Jamie Thomas, uh, Darren, Dean, all the boys behind the scenes. Uh, it's been an incredible ride this year. Uh, so thank you once again for taking the time. Um, get some rest with this offseason. I know there's not much of an offseason probably with this league. Uh, chats are always popping off and with the Legends League as well. You're always keeping an eye on that. But uh, thank you once again, Max, for taking the time uh, for joining me in the show a couple times that you did. Uh, we will definitely chat uh, during the offseason and next year on the show. So thank you once again uh, for joining me. Thank you, and I appreciate you having me on, Skriz. Well, thank you, Max Elliott, once again for taking the time. Uh, great job all year, all season. Um, yeah, commissioning a, t a type of league like this can't be easy. I'm assuming he just has his phone constantly uh, plugged in charging because I can only imagine what his messages are like on a, on a daily basis. So uh, thank you, Max, for taking the time once again. Great job this year, and uh, we will definitely chat again next year. So uh, let's wrap up this, uh, this episode of UFAFL Nation with a little NFL recap. Let's go back to the Super Bowl. And uh, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, winning the second Super Bowl in franchise history, defeating the Bengals 23-20 to after a late Cooper Cup touchdown and a strong performance from the Rams' defense. Uh, we talked about Cooper Cup all year. Uh, he got, won a couple awards last week with the UFA Fall Awards, and he didn't disappoint in the Super Bowl. He was named the MVP of the game after hauling in two touchdowns, gaining 100 total yards. Um, he basically had probably the greatest single season uh, by a wide receiver, uh, clutch moment after clutch moment, especially late in that game, especially since Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt after he scored a touchdown. Uh, he actually tore his ACL, so there was a lot on Cooper Cup's plate. Uh, remember that final drive? He converts a fourth and one on like a wide receiver, like a sweep outside. He caught two more passes to get the Rams into the red zone. Uh, then he drew that like pass interference call basically at the goal line, and then he caught the winning touchdown. So what can you say about Cooper Cup's performance? Um, might not see a season like that from a wide receiver for a long time. We didn't see a real like a playoff run like that since Larry Fitzgerald when the Cardinals went on their run to the Super Bowl. Uh, so congratulations to the Rams and Cooper Cup. Uh, he definitely earned all the accolades this year, and uh, can't wait to see what happens next year as long as the Rams uh, keep the band together. And speaking of uh, kind of MVPs for the Rams, you can't not talk about Aaron Donald's performance um, in the Super Bowl. Now, right before the actual game, uh, Rodney Harrison, he was on the pregame panel, and he dropped the bomb on that pregame show saying that if the Rams won, it was possible that it was going to be Aaron Donald's final game. And after his performance on Sunday, 
it would have shocked me to see someone who's who's so dominant, especially in that game, just leave and retire. Um, the Rams sacked Joe Burrow seven times. Uh, Donald had two of those sacks. Von Miller had two sacks. Uh, the Rams offense was pretty stagnant, especially in the second half. But Donald and the defense actually held the Bengals to just 11 net yards on four second half drives. Like it was just an incredible performance. Um, I know they had like that, the, the Bengals had that one lucky touchdown with T Higgins. He face masks Jalen Ramsey. Um, but with all the sacks that they got, like for 11 net yards, like that's just incredible considering how well Burrow and that offense were playing basically the last six weeks of the season. Um, so for Aaron Donald, he's been the best defensive player of this generation. And personally, I would be really sad if he left because a guy who's just racked up so many awards and who's just been, he's probably like, he's just the best player on the field, no matter when he's out there. So I don't really like to see guys go, especially when I know they have so much left in the tank. Like he's 30 years old. We've seen it before with like a Barry Sanders and a Calvin Johnson, but man, I'd be really sad to see Aaron Donald go, but I bet there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that would uh, disagree with me. And what I want to also think, what I also take from this game is like, you see what, what the Los Angeles Rams did and the GM Les Snead. Uh, you saw, I don't know if you guys saw the t-shirt that he was wearing at the parade. It was basically F dot, 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 those picks. Because the Rams went all in in terms of draft picks. Remember, they traded two first round picks and a third pick, a third round pick for Matthew Stafford. They traded two uh, first round picks and a fourth round pick for Jalen Ramsey. They traded another second and third for Vaughn Miller. So I'm wondering if teams are going to uh, replicate this model. Um, most NFL GMs are pretty cautious in terms of trading their picks. But for some of these teams that believe are close, <coughs> cough, Tennessee Titans, <coughs> um, you got to think that it might be uh, an option to maybe start uh, dishing out more picks because, like, look what Tampa Bay did when they brought in Brady. They basically went all in. Um, you see what happened there and now with the Rams. So if you have a good team, it might be worth uh, giving up a couple future picks because uh, if you get the right guys in there with the right chemistry and the right coaching staff, it could work out for you <laughs> uh, wonderfully. So I'm wondering to see uh, maybe in this offseason, in the next two, three years, if uh, more teams, more good teams start throwing out more picks to uh, to go for the big one. And with that, that wraps up that season. So now we look ahead to the offseason. And uh, for the show, personally, like for UFA Foundation, we won't be doing every week, but we're going to be keeping track for the NFL. Uh, there's obviously news going on every day, but the big stories that we're looking for, the first one has to be this like quarterback carousel. Um, there's so many moving parts that could happen this uh, this offseason. Uh, for example, Aaron Rodgers, is he going to stay with, stay with the Packers? That's obviously the biggest domino heading into this offseason. Uh, we've heard rumors about him maybe wanting to get traded to the Broncos. Uh, the Steelers could obviously be interested. Um, rumors about the Titans have been squashed, but that's also been fun to think about. Imagine Aaron Rodgers with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. Um, and then you look across the league as well. Like, who's going to replace Big Ben in Pittsburgh? Are they going to draft a guy? Could they also throw some picks and go get a veteran QB? Who's going to replace Tom Brady in Tampa Bay now that he's retired? Could there be a Jameis Winston reunion in Tampa Bay? Uh, will Russell Wilson be traded? They've been talking about that for the last couple off seasons. And then we know in San Fran that uh, Trey Lance is going to be the starter. So where could Jimmy Garoppolo end up? Like, are you really going to want to trade 
a lot for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's gonna be fascinating to see, especially with this contract situation. Um, will the Eagles use picks to replace Jalen Hurts? Uh, maybe what happens with Deshaun Watson this offseason? Uh, Kirk Cousins has one more year in Minnesota, but are they really sold on him, especially with the new coaching staff? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater in Denver. If, if Rodgers goes to Denver, what happens to Teddy Bridgewater? So there's so like who's going to be the Saints quarterback this upcoming season? There's so much quarterback. Like there's so many interesting stories in terms of quarterbacks this offseason. Probably more this offseason than any other that I can think of. So, well, we'll be paying attention to that 100%, especially with the draft coming up. And then quarterback's not the only interesting um, position that to that I'm going to be paying attention to this offseason because it is a loaded free agent wide receiver class. And we talk about Aaron Rodgers again. Well, his decision will probably impact what will happen with Devontae Adams, who is also a free agent. Now, will the Pack have the gall to offer him the franchise tag? Um, if Rodgers leaves, would Adams want to stay in Green Bay? Um, that's a whole another question. That's a whole big situation right there. Uh, the franchise tag period actually starts next Tuesday, February 22nd, and that goes through March 8th. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Devontae Adams because if he doesn't go to Green Bay, um, there's a couple of teams that could probably use him. Like the Jaguars have a ton of money. Why? Like they could probably offer him 30 million a year. The Bears have a need. Would he go to a division rival? Probably not, but that's fun to think about. Uh, Miami definitely needs a number one receiver. Um, so I'm just fascinated to see what happens with uh, Devontae Adams because aside from Cooper Cobb, he's probably the best wide receiver in the league. So uh, he's a franchise changer anywhere he goes. So definitely going to keep tracks on that. Uh, another guy I wanted, I'm keeping an eye on, uh, it's Chris Godwin, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's a free agent. Uh, before his torn ACL in week 15, like he was, he's definitely the second biggest prize in the free agent wide receiver pool. Obviously, this injury kind of complicates things. Um, like he's probably going to end up starting the year on the pup list. How will that affect his, uh, his next contract? Uh, he's only 25 years old, so even if he does start next year, missing the first six weeks or so, He's still a great future building block for any offense. Um, I'm guessing he's going to move on from Tampa just because they have some cap problems. But uh, as for, like if for those teams that miss out on Devontae Adams, um, he's probably the next best option there. Uh, then there's other interesting wide receivers available as well. Uh, Chargers Mike Williams, who had um, a great stretch early on in the season. He was WR2 in UFAFL scoring. Um, probably like through the first like eight to ten weeks, like I just remember talking about him like every week. He was just pulling up big numbers. So interesting to see what happens with him. Um, Allen Robinson, obviously, <laughs> last week we gave him the biggest bust award, but maybe a change of scenery for Allen Robinson would do him good. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. Now that he, like he has the uh, the torn ACL, uh, it's the same knee that he tore the ACL uh, a while back. So. Uh, maybe he'll go back to the Rams on like a sweetheart deal, maybe just a one-year kind of rehab deal. Uh, but he he's definitely someone to pay attention to. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster of the Steelers. Um, remember, he signed a one-year deal this year to stay back with the Steelers. He got hurt. Uh, he came back for that playoff run. Uh, interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, Michael Gallup of the Cowboys, another guy who suffered a late-season injury, but another young guy could be a really good number two with the right – uh, quarterback in right situation, and dare I say Antonio Brown. Every time you think he's out, he pulls us back in. Um, it wouldn't shock me if somebody <laughs> offers him a deal in the offseason, but 
like I said, there's plenty of de- uh, really good wide receivers out there that I expect to uh, cause some noise in free agency. And then the last thing I'm looking at, obviously we're all football fans and we all love the draft. So there's three teams I'm really paying attention to. It's the Jets, it's the Giants, and the Eagles. Uh, the NFL draft is slated for April 28th. And these three teams basically have – I'm looking at these because they have multiple first-round picks. Now, the Jets have the fourth and the tenth pick. Uh, they have holes in basically every aspect of the roster. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to kind of take that best player available approach to the draft and not just strictly target one position. Though I do expect them to uh, address the offensive line because you really need to uh, protect Zach Wilson back there, uh, their number two pick from this past season. So I'm assuming they're going to take at least one offensive lineman and then for the 10th pick, hell, I mean, they need a help on defense. They can use another wide receiver, uh, any weapon on offense, really, anybody on defense. So like their secondary is a disaster. Um, and then for uh, the Giants, they have the fifth and seventh pick in the draft. Um, another weird team because they have a lot of holes. Though, I, like, if it was me personally, I would invest at least in one offensive lineman. Uh, they could definitely use help in the secondary as well. But if they don't grab an offensive lineman, they should just fire everybody um, in the front office because, boy, is that offensive line just horrific. And then the Eagles have a couple of those mid-round picks. Um, they're an interesting squad because they're good on – like, they're a young, up, up-and-coming team. Not a whole lot of holes. Obviously, they, the Jalen Rager experiment failed, um, so they could address that, but I think they might actually, instead of drafting another young wideout, they might be a player in free agency. Uh, but they can use help on the offensive line. Jason Kelsey, the center, is getting a little bit uh, a little bit older, so it wouldn't shock me if they tried to maybe replace him with a younger guy. Uh, maybe a defensive lineman. They could use uh, another corner opposite of... Uh, they like they just have some holes in the secondary as well. So the Eagles are a very fascinating team. They have 15, uh, 17, and 18, I believe. So, um, yeah, it just should be an interesting offseason. Like, could they trade up and go get a quarterback? Could they trade picks to Seattle for Russell Wilson, send him Jalen Hurts and a couple of picks, do what the Rams did and like that Jared Goff type Stafford deal? So they're, they're interesting to look at team for the draft. And draft is always fun for all of us NFL fans. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, there's like no consensus, like top five this year. It seems kind of weird. And I feel like a lot of teams are going to be draft or training in and out of those high picks as well. So, um, the next time you guys see us, we'll probably be doing a draft preview. Uh, yeah, let's, we might as well just talk about that now since the show is done. Uh, this episode is done anyway. So thank you guys once again for tuning in all season long of UFAFL nation. So you guys won't see me next week. Um, but we're going to try to keep this show going at least once a month. So the next show will be a, a draft uh, preview. And then the show after that will probably be a draft recap. I'm hoping to get a, a guest on or two, uh, Jamie Thomas. I know he's going to be available for us as well. So just because you won't see UFAFL Nation every week, it doesn't mean that we're not working hard behind the scenes. Um, so I got a bunch of, uh, we got a couple of people to thank. Uh, obviously, Andy McNamara for giving me this opportunity. Uh, to talk football and to gain some new friends, this new fantasy friends, this new adventure. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of guys in this league uh, talking just behind the scenes. Uh, it's been really fun. We've had a lot of great guests. Um, I know a lot of guys aren't really camera ready. Like we're not professionals here uh, at the UFA Fellow Nation. So I appreciate all the guests that we've had along. 
uh, giving us some of your time. Uh, we all have busy lives. And with the UFAFL, I know how much you guys are investing into this league. Uh, so thank you, Andy, for trusting me with this show and for introducing me to all these people. Uh, Dean Millard, uh, you guys might not know, but he's basically doing all this behind the scenes. Like, without him, there's no UFAFL Nation. So thank you, Dean, for all the hard work behind the scenes, uh, making me look as good as possible. I know that's not easy. Uh, Darren Bates, for giving me this opportunity. You and Andy have been uh, very supportive of this whole project. And uh, I know you want to see this uh, this thing get bigger and better. And I believe that with the brain trust that we have running this thing, that we will. And to all of you guys for just uh, tuning in, giving me this platform. Uh, this has been huge for me as a football fan, as somebody who's just been bored during COVID. This has been super fun just to kill, to make the weeks just go by faster and just makes it really fun. And uh, I look forward to year two. I look forward to the draft and talking to you guys again. And uh, thank you guys once again for tuning in, and we will definitely be chatting down the line.